Welcome to the Now You Know Akron podcast, brought to you by the journalists of BeaconJournal.com. Each week, they will share their expertise on Akron and Summit County. Now, here's your host, Craig Webb. Thanks for joining us for Now You Know Akron podcast. I'm your host, Craig Webb. In this edition, Spotlight Story will be joined by a recent contestant on Jeopardy!, this three-day winner will talk about what it was like being on the popular game show and all things trivia. I promise we will not talk about the dreaded opera category. Okay, well, maybe we'll talk about it just a little bit, but this is one category the contestants hope to avoid. But first, here's three things you should know from recent headlines on BeaconJournal.com. Reporter Amanda Garrett took a closer look at the racial reckoning that's happening in the northern Summit County city of Hudson. It all began about a month ago when a group of white parents showed up at a school board meeting complaining about what the school was teaching their children about race. It then escalated when several Hudson High School students were accused of making hateful and racist and homophobic comments while playing an online video game. This all led to national and international headlines on Memorial Day when the organizers of the city's American Legion uh, Memorial Day program cut the mic of a retired lieutenant U.S. colonel from the city who was trying to talk about the history and its racial reckoning of that particular holiday. Former President Donald Trump returned to Northeast Ohio over the weekend. He was there to stump for a candidate who's trying to oust the GOP Northeast Ohio congressman who voted for his impeachment. Trump aired many familiar grievances about the election being stolen, along with other familiar phrases from his presidency. The line to get in was so long, many of the Trump supporters had to abandon their cars and simply listened over loudspeakers from the fairgrounds in Wellington. The latest employment numbers out of Summit County was a good news, bad news kind of thing. Summit County's jobless rate increased slightly in May, even as the county added more jobs from the pandemic lows of a year ago. BeaconJournal.com and all of our apps always feature updated headlines and subscriber-exclusive content you cannot find anywhere else. Now for our spotlight story, we're joined by Katie Sikowski, who I might add is the smartest person on this podcast. Katie lives in Kent and is a recent three-day winner on Jeopardy. Aside from winning a nice size of, amount of prize money, her parting gift is appearance with me on our humble podcast. Um, if you just won that fourth day, you might have been a Good Morning America, maybe George Stefanoff, but you know you're stuck with me. So, so welcome. <laughs> Hi, thank you for having me. So I guess it's safe to say this. I mean, you know, lifelong dream, or does that sound contrite to say? You know, maybe your lifelong dream is to live to be 150, right? But maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's pretty much been Jeopardy for for as long back as I can remember. <laughs> So you obviously were a fan. You, you have, what's your earliest memory? So my earliest memory is actually uh, back uh, when I was maybe six years old and my bedtime was 7.30 in an area where Jeopardy was on at 7.30. And I actually remember falling asleep to the Jeopardy think music before I was even old enough to stay up late enough to watch it. Uh, and then as soon as uh, as soon as my bedtime did get moved, moved back uh, to 8 p.m., I was watching with my parents every night. I remember claiming it as my favorite show when I was in third grade, and I'm sure not answering a single question correctly. Well, it's interesting. You had a nice early bedtime. I, I think I had a free-for-all house when I grew up. I mean, it was uh, – until we collapsed, I, I think, was, was our, our bedtime. So 
I understand that you, you know, I think I read somewhere perhaps, or someone mentioned that you, you once wrote a poem for school about the show. <laughs> yeah. I, I, unfortunately, it has been lost to the ages, but I definitely, at age nine or so, uh, wrote a poem about Jeopardy. Uh, a few of the lines I remember include saying, uh, it, it began, Jeopardy is my favorite show. I watch it every night when the sun gets low. <laughs> and I also remember rhyming, uh, Alex Trebek is the king of pronunciations throughout all of the nations. <laughs> well, better than the man from Pawtucket, right? Yeah, there, there's a reason um, I, I did not go into uh, poetry as a, as a career here. <laughs> I remember I had to write a paper around the same age, and it was a famous Ohioan. So, so maybe this is, and this is an easy one. This famous actor started as a rubber worker and is was born in this town, this Ohio town. Do you know who it was? He was an actor in the 40s. The hometown was Caddis. See, I, I didn't grow up in Ohio, so I don't think I don't I wasn't Clark indoctrinated Gable. with all the Clark. famous actors who are from here. It was Clark Gable. Clark Gable. OK, I did not know he was from Ohio. So I, I think, think that was once a trivia question on Jeopardy. The only reason I knew it, because I wrote a report about Clark Gable. My, my, my mother was obsessed with Clark Gable. And so I. Um, and I, I remember in like third grade I did that. So yeah, Clark Gable is kind of a funny thing. All right, I think you might be vying for for smartest person on this podcast. I, oh, I might, I might have just been trumped. Absolutely not, absolutely not. <laughs> so, so how did you end up in Kent? How did you end up in Ohio? Uh, about um, eight years ago, I got married to my husband. Uh, he grew up in Geauga County, uh, works uh, in Hudson. Uh, and when we got married, I moved out to Ohio. And I had a lot of stipulations for uh, where in Ohio I was willing to live. <laughs> I grew up in Pennsylvania, uh, where there's a lot of small towns that aren't aren't exactly you know suburban sprawl, but are also aren't city centers. And I I like I like the feel of a small town. Uh, and a lot of Northeast Ohio is either urban or suburban sprawl. But I, I loved Kent uh, from the the first time we visited. It's got it's got its nice little small town feel. You can live in a house and walk to restaurants. It had everything I was looking for. I actually went to Kent. That's where I met my wife. I'm a Kent. I'm a Kent Great. State uh, grad, and I always like Kent because you're you're kind of, you know, it, it has that genuine hometown. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the genuine downtown. It's not one of these that's Disney-fied. I mean, it really is old buildings, <laughs> and but yet you're close enough to Akron. You're close enough to Cleveland if you want to go to a larger city. I mean, but it has this kind of nice its, its own little niche identity, and so that exactly. So I mean, obviously, how does one go about getting on the show? Not this show, the the more important <laughs> Did you answer your phone or answer an email? It, it's real- <laughs> oh, I feel very special now. <laughs> I was just the email. only one to reply to your email. <laughs> so back in uh, about 2006, they started offering the Jeopardy contestant test online. Uh, before that, uh, they I think they just did tests uh, in, in major cities. And at the time I was still in college, uh, didn't even have my own vehicle, so I wasn't able to get to those in-person events. Uh, so every year since 2006, uh, once a year, you can take the online test. And I'd been doing that in the early years. I know I was not passing the test. Uh, but over the years, I also, you know, played a lot of tri- trivia, wrote a lot of trivia, studied a lot of trivia, uh, and got better. Probably, you know, maybe, maybe three or four years ago, I, I, feel confident that I was actually passing the test. But even after you pass, you have to get lucky enough to get the in-person audition, uh, which is out of the passing tests kind of at random. Uh, My first in-person audition was in 2019. Uh, At that point, I was out here in Ohio. The in-person audition was in Columbus. 
And after the in-person audition, where they have you take another test, make sure you're really the person that took the online test, play a mock game to make sure you're the type of person they want on the show. Then you're entered into the contestant pool. Uh, and anytime a year and a half after that in-person audition, I could potentially get called still just a small fraction of those people. Uh, and then uh, I did get the call uh, to be on the show after just my first in-person audition. Unfortunately, got the call in March 2020, the worst time to get called for travel anywhere. <laughs> uh, and it took about a year to get rescheduled, but I eventually uh, went out to uh, be on the show in March 2021. You kind of touched upon a little bit, like like the preparation. And I think it's funny because, you know, I think it's one thing to think you're, you're good at it. Like I have to admit that I always thought I was kind of good at it. Watch a show, I know, and I'm not very good at it. But I remember even buying the original PlayStation Jeopardy game and thinking, I'm going to kill these electronic contestants. And I really suck <laughs> at it. I mean, it's, oh, you know, no. I guess I'm kind of curious, like, like, you know, it's one thing to watch on TV. It's just another thing to, to be there in the studio. And I, I'm sure it's just a little bit of a gulp moment, right? You know? Yeah. So I, I, I had prepared a lot. Um, and I think, you know, there, there's an array of different types of people that go on Jeopardy. Some people, you know, just thought it would be fun to try out and get on. And some of those people end up, you know, completely killing it and going on a streak. Um, I completely nerded out, especially with a year in COVID lockdown uh, to prepare myself. Uh, I studied wager theory. I studied buzzer uh, techniques. I studied the things that come up on Jeopardy the most often with a flashcard app. And then I knew, you know, from talking to other people that had been on the show, uh, people I've met in online trivia communities, that no matter how much you prepare, you get up there and then, you know, the nerves hit, the lights go on. Fortunately, at least in the first game, I didn't actually, I, I felt pretty prepared, um, did not have a ton of nerves the first game. The one thing I had not prepared for was the fact that uh, <laughs> I was just really excited to be buzzing in first. Uh, and I wasn't necessarily thinking about whether or not I knew the correct response. Uh, so my first two games, I had a lot of incorrect answers because I was just so, so trigger happy with the buzzer. Um, wasn't wasn't really thinking through if I should respond or not. <laughs> And there is some strategy with it, but I mean, you, sometimes you see mm-hmm. the contestants. I think Saturday Night Live's even done jokes where they're like, pounding, 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 the, the buzzer's <laughs> like too early, too late. I mean, there is a little bit of a strategy, right? Oh, there it's absolutely like, is. Uh, and they actually, the, the, the button mashing, uh, they tell you to do that. So that is, uh, th- that is not the fault of any of the contestants when you see that. So the way it works is when you buzz in before the question is done being read, if you buzz in f- before that happens, uh, you get locked out for a fraction of a second. Uh, and they tell you to keep pressing the button because eventually you're going to get unlocked and you want to be in as soon as you get unlocked. Uh, but there definitely is, you know, a study of like the cadence of the, the host voice and wanting to buzz in at exactly the right point. Uh, I actually had a USB buzzer that I was practicing on a website with uh, practicing my reaction time. Ended up deciding that instead of buzzing in with my thumb, my index finger was faster for me uh, <laughs> and trying all sorts of variations like that. So for you, some of this strategy went out the window, you know, with the tragic death of, you know, Alex. I mean, you know, you, you grew up with a guy with a cadence with a, mm-hmm. and now you had kind of a mystery host, right? I mean, this was yep. kind of a little bit of a wild card. Yeah, fortunately, I did feel able to adjust to, um, to first Mayim's uh, cadence and then Savannah's cadence on my, my, uh, following episodes. In addition to just being, uh, just super sad when, uh, Alex passed, uh, 
for the sake of the show and the community and his legacy, uh, it, it also, you know, did mean planning on some readjustments of my strategy as a secondary thing. And and I I picked my journalism major because it had the least amount of math involved um, and and the foreign language not involved that time. I think they've changed the programs now for for people like me, but there's math involved with this too, right? I mean, you you know, the strategy also, you you have to start thinking, what does everyone around me have score-wise? Are you able to see what their scores are easily or not? Yes. Yeah. It's uh, on a a separate board uh, that we can glance at. Um, I tried not to look at it too much during the game, and then, uh, so in each of the first few games, I, I spent some time in the negative. Uh, so I was not looking at the scores. And then at a certain point, I would look at the scores and be like, oh, I need to have more than zero dollars. So I'm going to stop guessing and only ring in when I'm at least fairly sure of the, the correct response. But yeah, so during the game, I was not paying too close attention to the score until it came time uh, to wager on a daily double or final jeopardy. Uh, when it comes to final jeopardy, though, I, I did a lot of uh, wager theory practice. There's a website called J Archive that in addition to archiving all of the past episodes, all of the clues and responses from the past episodes of Jeopardy, uh, it has a wagering calculator and you can look at any game and it tells you what the optimal wager for first, second, and third would be regardless of category. Uh, if you're in first place, you always want to make sure that if you get it right, you will be at least a dollar ahead of if second place bets everything and gets it right. If you're in second place, it kind of depends on how far back you are. Uh, and I won't get into all the all the tedium of that, but it definitely paid off because both of my first two games, uh, if I had not studied wager strategy, I probably would have bet a lot and I would not have won those games. <laughs> yeah, like I said, it, it, there's a lot. To, and, and, you know, you're in the, in the lights. So I, I, I'm curious, whether, what, what questions are in your wheelhouse? I mean, what would you say? Oh, that's that's my question. Anything um, in the the art arena, especially art movements, art techniques, and I'd say 20th century art. Uh, if you get back into the the Renaissance, I, I'm it's not as much my wheelhouse. But um, Any Achilles heels, uh, anything that's like oh no. <laughs> yeah, I mean this is kind of the the stock answer, uh, especially given the fact that uh, once in a while Jeopardy will have a category called the dreaded opera category. I would say opera. Uh, it was something I did not want to see come up, even though knowing that it's uh, an Achilles heel, I did study somewhat, but still, uh, still kind of hard to pull. Uh, military and world history, uh, not 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 necessarily in my wheelhouse either. I mean, you did mention art because that's kind of what what you do now, a little bit of, mm-hmm. of, of what you do, but. You know, you did kind of make a few national headlines on, on this <laughs> doodle you made be, before. And you, you're telling them this is purely happenstance. This wasn't staged by you or some time warp continuum thing that perhaps you are that you tell. Tell the story. <laughs> what sure. Uh, and I will preface this saying I, I don't actually, uh, you know, feel that I, I have any kind of psychic or manifesting powers. It was a pure coincidence uh, that led to a tweet that I did not intend to go viral, but it did. So the night before my first tape date, um, I was I was really just trying to calm my nerves and I was just trying to picture myself winning, uh, not because I believed that would make it happen, but just because I, I felt that, you know, if I it, it would make me more confident going in. So I sketched myself at the podium uh, with a a dollar amount, um, a, a large winning type dollar amount on the on the podium screen, 
you know, something within the realm of what could actually happen on Jeopardy. Uh, and I just did that. I, I sent it to a couple of friends that knew I were, was uh, out in L.A. taping that day and did not think too much about it. Uh, then I won my first game, came back a week later to, to take my following game. And then on my third game, I ended up getting that exact dollar amount from the sketch <laughs> uh, as my as my winning total. Uh, so the reason that the wager theory comes into here too, uh, wager theory comes into play again here. I was in first place going into final. I bet exactly what I needed to cover second place's doubled score. If you look up any wager theory, it will tell you that I should have wagered exactly what I did, was not thinking about what it was going to um, amount to. And when I saw the score afterwards, I'm like, oh my gosh, that is the sketch that I did. <laughs> then, of course, I couldn't say anything about it until that episode aired. But after it did, I just threw up a tweet with a picture of my actual podium along with the sketch. And it ended up getting picked up by some national news sources, uh, which led to a lot of people saying, well, of course, of course, I did that on purpose. I picked the wager that would get me to that score. Uh, but again, wager theory goes into it. Uh, anyone would have wagered what I did. Uh, and it had a lot more to do with what second place did than what I had. Or perhaps you're proving the theory, and I'm going to prove that I'm not a very good trivia person. Was it Van Doren, right? The the, the great quiz show cheat. Maybe maybe there the rig was in here. I'm just saying, going up conspiracy theory. Um, oh gosh, maybe um, <laughs> predicting the fact. Think, things are so much. Things are so much more locked down as we speak. You know, no. really quick. So there's no conspiracy here. There's no conspiracy. Things are so much more locked down than they were in the quiz. Quiz show scandal days. Now, was I right in the name? Was I right in this name? I believe so. It sounds right. I knew who you were talking about at the very least. Well, but I, think that's right. well, I was at least within the uh, in the room. So I, I just want to touch briefly, you know, because we're kind of running out of time. But I understand you, you kind of run your own little trivia. I do. Yeah. I have uh, uh, kind of a, a side gig, uh, a company I run called Inkling Trivia. It is a uh, postal mail based trivia competition. Very old school. Very old school. Yeah, it's been compared to either a trivia zine or like paying to do homework, but in a fun way. I send out packets of uh, photocopied packets of 140 questions uh, with answer sheets. People uh, fill them out either by themselves or with a partner, mail them back to me. I score them by hand, uh, which I regret every time <laughs> I start getting hundreds of envelopes in the mail. It is just for fun. Uh, there is a prize for first place solo, a prize for first place duo. Uh, but to ensure integrity uh, and zero incentives for cheating, the prize is less than the entry fee. <laughs> uh, but purely for fun, fun and glory. Do, do the entries come back perfect? I mean, are a lot of the no. The, uh, the top score ever has been. Uh, a team once only missed one, uh, but there are also very difficult questions because a lot of the the top trivia players in the country uh, enter this. A lot of people who won many more games than I did on Jeopardy play it, and it wouldn't be as fun if just you know half the half the teams got a perfect score. So I do make a I do make the difficulty pretty pretty hard, and I do it uh, once or twice a year usually. So you have this gig going on. So are you have any? Uh... 
Any future plans to try and get another show? Or are you going to be doing uh, underground trivia competitions and pool halls trying to hustle money <laughs> away from unsuspected suckers who uh... – I think, I, I think if I have as much luck on other – getting on and winning other quiz shows, I think that will be uh, more of a financial payoff than uh, underground hustling uh, at pub trivia. But, yeah, so uh, the rules are uh, I have to wait a certain number of months before I'm allowed to be on another game show. But uh, I think I definitely uh, will try out for other other trivia game shows. I don't think I would do as well on, uh, you know, The Price is Right or Let's Make a Deal. But, you know, I might try to get on The Chase or if they uh, if they get back to Who Wants to Be a Millionaire again. I think th- those would both uh, definitely be uh, up my alley. Well, Katie? Thank you for joining me today. This was fun. It was a pleasure. If you ever need to phone a friend, should they bring that show back <laughs> for monster-themed breakfast cereals? I, I'm your guy. Um, the answer is always Frankenberry. We used to have a joke when we played Trivial Pursuit. If you didn't know the answer, you said JFK. You know, it seemed like that was a <laughs> right? So, so thank you so much. Thank you. That's all the time we have for this edition of the Now You Know Akron podcast. We'd like to thank our producer, BJ Lisko, for joy- and also you for joining us. Be sure to check out our next edition. This podcast is available weekly on our website and also on the various apps where you find all your favorite podcasts. We'd like to invite you to support local journalism by becoming a subscriber to Beacon Journal in either digital or the print form. If you're already a subscriber, we thank you. Until next time, now you know Akron.